Well, hello again, listener. How's things? How's tricks? What you been up to? How's it going? All that sort of things that you say to your friends when you haven't seen them for a week. And it's lovely to be back in here in 3CR, in Radio Land. In 3CR, your only radio left. And I mean that, your only radio left. And here we are in downtown Smith Street, Fitzroy, coming to you with Left After Breakfast on a a lovely Melbourne day, a lovely, beautiful grey Melbourne day. I was looking out there this morning at the clouds and wishing that I could remember what cloud formation was what for many years ago, but there were little cirrus clouds, there were little fluffy, little cumulus and very low, 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 low cumulonimbus. So I remembered those, but there were more I couldn't remember. How are you, how are you expected to remember things from school? It's always a long time back. It doesn't even matter if it was 10 years ago when you were at school and being taught things. I don't mean university. I mean school, your actual schooling days. You know, though I do remember so many ways to conjugate Latin verbs and stupid, useless, pointless, trivial knowledge from um, from college. You know, then I was 15, 16 and 17 and still learning things by rote. But what's, that's... Uh, my uh, education with the Catholic school system where they taught me Latin. They also taught me actually to have some respect for um, the men of the cloth, as they were called, you know, the the anointed of God, the priests and, of course, the cardinals and all the way up to Papa himself, the Holy Father, the Holy Father, my God, even the name, you know, the Holy Father. Well, yes, I was brought up a Catholic and I thought those things. And then once I got into my teens, they also taught me to think or to try and think at school. So they shouldn't have been surprised when I thought about it and said, this is rubbish. But that sort of, the shock is still there when so much, so much keeps coming about, out about the dreadful treatment of children in the Catholic system. It's... Words really can't, you know, you can't describe it in your words. It's only a really, really awful, horrible feeling in your stomach. It's quite a nauseating thing. But look, I see that Cardinal Pell. Remember Cardinal Pell? Of course, you've come across him before, haven't we? That's the poor, frail, feeble old man who... You can't get a plane out here to attend any, you know, world commissions and things. Well, he's there have been some fresh allegations of sexual of sexual abuse of children by Pell himself, not just by his mates or people that he said he thought there was something going on, but really couldn't be bothered. It wasn't too important. No, no, this is about Pell himself. Well, all right, they're allegations. That's all they are. Their allegations, and they were on the, the ABC seven thirty report. So, and and remember, you can always check up on ABC shows later on iView. You can watch them later on your computer or your phone. But Pal reckons there's a conspiracy between the Victoria Police and the ABC to pervert the course of justice using a trial by media to establish his guilt. He says you can't establish my guilt before the matters are afforded due process. Of course, but that's bullshit. Everything aired by the ABC TV has come directly from the complainants, not from the police. They've come from Pell's alleged victims. Well, look, let's face it, we've watched them give excruciating accounts of their experiences and the terrible effects these experiences have had on their lives. I mean, these aren't police leaks. These are the victims themselves talking. And, of course, anyone, anyone at all is at liberty to speak about his or her experience at the hands of another. That's fine. And there are defamation laws that deal with false claims. So you can't just make up things. But you, you are at liberty to speak about his or her experiences at the hands of another. But there's no indication that the Victoria Police have given the ABC any other info. Though they've said they are pursuing their their inquiries into the allegations. Uh, That's um, 
you know, what the, what the police do. Though I did note it, they say they have referred it to the Victorian Office of Public Prosecutions and it's there that they decide whether or not charges are to be brought against Pell. But look, there's no legal requirement to protect Pell from identification. There are no minors involved in complaints. You know, they're historical now. The ABC has offered Pell every opportunity to, to respond and uh, he hasn't. As long as the law allows the identification of alleged perpetrators, media outlets are at liberty to name them, which is why I'm saying Pell, George Pell, Cardinal George Pell. The law permits this. Well, it may or it may not be fair. In some cases it could be very unfair, but it doesn't matter. It is legal. It's legal. Pell's position is no different from any other alleged perpetrator of crimes like this. You know, um, the Cardinal isn't being granted and, and any special favours or any special p- p- protections and he is not being unfairly pursued. Look, let's look at the facts, listener. People continue to make complaints about Pell and complaints have to be investigators. Our justice system doesn't require that the complaints be kept secret until they're proven or dismissed. That's fine. Like any other alleged perpetrator, Pearl has to endure, you know, some public curiosity and public judgment, not because of any, you know, sort of conspiracy, but because that's the way our society works. It works like that. Now, Pell's onto, let's face it, Pell's onto a pretty good wicket, isn't he? And there are many benefits that go with being a prince of the Catholic Church. But there are also responsibilities and there is also intense scrutiny. Now, the Vatican's got big pockets, very deep. And if Pell chooses to bring a defamation action against his accusers, lack of money is no barrier at all. So... If he feels himself to be a victim of these alleged leaks, well, then he can take legal action himself. It's an option open to him if he's a victim. Not a problem. And he's, they've got the money money to pay for it. But, you know, that's so... Well, we'll just wait and see what happens to George Powell. It's just sometimes the, the dreadful things, the dreadful, you know, men like this and the whole society that protects men like this sometimes... It makes me so ill, but then sometimes it fades away with what else is going on in the world. It's a pretty horrible place out there. But there's one thing I always think of when I think of George Powell. Now, three years we've had we've had going on a royal commission into institutional responses to child sexual abuse. Three years it's been there. Now. Remember Lyle Shelton? Lyle, think of the children, Shelton, who's sitting on that um, commission. He has referred to this commission twice and both times he tweeted links to articles defending George Pell. Well, there you go. So much for your Christians. Dear me. Anyhow, anyhow, let's have a look. Let me tell you about the latest um, news, incredible news, quite just in case... (laughs) You didn't realise this, as if you didn't, dear listener. The American Psychological Association has just released their latest um, subjects and what's going on, but they say that a strong and passionate belief in a deity to the point where it impairs one's ability to make conscientious decisions about common sense matters it will now be classified as a mental illness. So there you go. Strong and passionate belief in a deity or higher power. Now, this ruling comes out, this is after a five-year study by the APA, and it showed that devoutly religious people almost always suffer overwhelmingly from anxiety, emotional distress, hallucinations and paranoia. And it was also noted that some of those who saw God as punitive 
They perceived him as that nasty old man in the long white dress and the long white beard, that punitive God, the angry one. Those who saw that thought of God, they had much poorer health. Well, those who viewed God as, you know, sort of benevolent, smiling, meek and mild, they didn't have as many mental problems. But the religious views of both of these groups, and they all believe in this higher deity, but this results in them both being disconnected from reality. You don't say, well, of course, we've always known that people who believe in sky fairies and tooth fairies when they're adults and they believe in some higher power up there, some, some something up there, there's something out there. I must be made for a reason. I was born for a reason. I'm important. I'm, I'm an individual. I am me. I am the universe for heaven's sake. We're all a whole bunch of talking chimpanzees running around. <laughs> and some of these chimpanzees believe in a god who made chimpanzees. He's probably a chimpanzee himself or herself. I'm so sorry. But anyhow, but it's true, though, if you believe this is now going to be classified as a mental problem, a mental illness. And when you look about it, um, thousands of year, thousands of people die every year after refusing life-saving treatment, like blood transfusions. And even when they're told, you know, you'll die without this treatment, the patients reject the idea and say, oh, no, God will save them. And look, all you have to do is say, what what God? You say, oh, I believe in this God. Okay, you're mentally unfit. You can't make these decisions. You know, but there are religious people apparently who think they have healing power in their hands. Many believe they can communicate with God personally. They can personally talk to God. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't George Bush? Or maybe he still does. Others see spirits, others see angels. It's a mental break. It's a loss of touch with reality. I mean, it's caused, and look, let's be real, listener, it's caused chaos, destruction and death for centuries, for hundreds of centuries. And it's about time we evolved into a modern society and classified these archaic beliefs as a mental disorder. It's this, um, this, classification. Thank you very much for the American Psychological Association, but it's long overdue. Look at it as the first of many steps in a positive direction to make sure that everyone understands that people, for heaven's sake, who believe in this higher deity, you can be mentally ill. You can be mentally ill. It's harsh, isn't it? But it's true. Let's have a listen to my favourite little bit of music. I love this. Stephen um, Pigram, let me have a little sip of my chamomile tea. Glenn won't be here this morning, listener, which is why I'm, I'm running riot on my own. Feed there any time. 
Luggies are in on the springtime And the gambling house is back The banker he'll muck on with sit on But a lot of you we got put the in front Dad, we're gonna rag a little Jonah tonight Make a riot, sing with the moon Call at the pace of the city life Soon I'll be dreaming in bloom So I feel like going back home Right now while the garbage is right The jiggle trees starting to bloom And them gators starting to bite Hey mom, I can just taste your fish with the rice I'm coming back home to you Call at the pace of the city life Soon I'll be dreaming and grow Soon I'll be dreaming and grow Oh dear, sudden, but that's feel like going back home. It's Stephen Pigram. I always enjoy that that little uh, melody. It's lovely, isn't it? Going back home to Broome. I've never been to Broome. I'd like to go. Last time I looked at going to Broome, it was cheaper to go to Rome. I went to Rome. Fortunately, I can get out about and move around, not like um, the children locked up in um, in the juvenile detention centre. And that's what they are, children. And to some of those children, maybe some of the 16 and 17-year-olds, could, I could possibly find them quite obnoxious. But they are children and they have... The, they are human beings and citizens just as I am. And I was... Still, as you were shocked and outraged by what's come out about the dreadful goings on at Dondale Youth Detention Centre in the Northern Territory, there's talk now apparently of moving these boys to a holding camp for refugees, a migrant detention centre. You know, one torture camp to another. It's you know you wouldn't read about it, would you, listener? For heaven's sake. It's, um, well, we don't want to go on. I don't want to dwell on it too much. It's too horrible. I saw the films. I saw the videos of what went on. So, well, not, uh, I won't go much onto it, but I did notice that Scullion, Scullion, is it? Scullion, Scallion, Scandal, Scullion, Nigel Scullion, he says that, um, he wasn't aware of any allegations of, of abuse within the, within his detention system, and he said it had not piqued his interest. Hadn't piqued his interest. He was uh, questioned uh, as as to his knowledge of these uh, allegations detailed on the ABC, uh, especially because there had been previous independence reports outlining systemic failures, but. He said, I've got, I've got it in front of me, what Scullion answered. Did he know about these allegations? And he said, I wish I'd known what I know today or I knew yesterday afternoon. But the facts of this matter were I didn't know. I'd never seen the vision. It hadn't come to my attention and it hadn't piqued my interest sufficiently. Well, there you go. Hadn't piqued his interest sufficiently. Maybe a couple of deaths might have might have piqued his um, interest. Well, he might have been being defensive. That you know, heavens above, he's the minister. He's responsible. He's responsible. Now I'm expecting. Uh, now I'm, I know some wonderful listener will ring in and tell me exactly what that is in the Australian legal system. When, as the minister, we are responsible. And it's the reason why, really, he should just step down because, by law, he is responsible. Now, what is it called? Listener, remind me. I didn't um, study law, so I, I don't know. But you know what it is. You'll find it. 
Well, it's that we must be responsible because we're the minister. But, of course, when he said he, he knew nothing about it, uh, that was questioned straight away because he had been told. But, look, what it's all about is the Dondale facility and the horrors that are within it. They didn't develop in a vacuum. They're the logical outcome of a brutal and expedient race system that we've had here since 1788. And it's a race system that continues to thrive. I mean, it's excruciatingly apparent, listener, that there's this hellhole. They've known about it for years, at least the last few years anyway, and nothing has been done to alleviate this horror, and it's all in the name of law and order. And I like to point out that none of these children have they have committed offences but the offences committed by these jailed children don't go anywhere near the criminal acts perpetrated upon them by those who guard them those who oversee the guards and those who turn their eyes away from the sight of the children's suffering there's nothing lawful or orderly about the behaviour of those men the men in charge of those children and the men in charge of the men in charge and this is a deeply ingrained culture in Australia and it's based since 1788 on unadulterated racism because we've been taught, well, as a white person with the story of Terra Nullius, we've been taught that the Aboriginal people are not capable of being civilised. They they can't do any agriculture or aquaculture or governance. And so they're sort of primitive savages and it's, and it's p- permissible to wreak any kind of havoc on them as long as it's necessary for our white society. And that was how it was in 1788 and it hasn't changed. You know... And if someone steals your car, well, get out the gas canisters and gas the kids because it's your car and you're right to your car, you know, it's yours. Look, Dondale may be closed down and there'll be a Royal Commission as if that doesn't, if that's could ever go to do any good whatsoever. You know, but right and left alike will continue to be, you know, express some outrage. But unless there's the attitude, the fundamental attitude that we have to our own people, our own Australian Indigenous people, unless we change our fundamental attitude, that suffering will continue. And I'd like to remind you, before I get off this awful subject, I remind you of the words of Nigel Scullion, Federal Minister for Indigenous Affairs who didn't take any notice of of complaints that reached him about the mistreatment of the children, he said the reports had never sufficiently piqued my interests. They didn't pique his interests. There you go. You know, isn't it odd, listener? Did you notice that no one's made any mention of the fact that there were professional kickboxers in charge of these children? Now, that sounds like a mob of potential thugs to me. These are still children, and yes, they have broken the law. They're supposed to have, as like all people who break the law, you have a decent holding area with a decent table and bed and running water. You don't get gassed and beaten and stripped naked and thrown to the ground like, you know, broken dolls. The thugs who did this should be charged with every available crime that you can throw at them. They've breached every rule in the book, and the government ministers should do the same, seriously. And that's just what it's about, isn't it, listener? Thugs. What did uh, the union say? Said, oh, they haven't been trained sufficiently. Haven't been... Do you need special training not to be a torturer of children? Well, I suppose you do. Special training. Golly gosh. It's hard to believe sometimes. Yes, this is Australia. Yes, this is the world. No, I haven't taken any mind-altering drugs. No, I haven't stepped into a parallel universe. No, I'm not in some alternate reality. I'm here in Melbourne, sitting here. I've got wood and steel and all sorts of things in front of me that I can touch and say, this is real. It's just so hard to believe. Really so hard to believe. I swear there is something in the water. 
There really is. And just before the bagman comes in, oh, I should actually give you a bit of a warning. When the bagman comes in, I'm going to talk to him about the special campaign to deport all Georges and to put a ban on any George coming into this country. Not one. But I'll tell you about that when we find the bagman coming in. And he will. Ah, oh, that's been nice. Same little chat, a little rave here all on my, my own. Actually, listen, it's been fun. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org. .au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. Zappy little bit of music there, listeners. Uh, you think about that book here, it's 40 years it's weird how 40s has gone past so fast. I can I can never quite follow it. But, of course, it does. And a lot more years that you've gone past faster than that. But that's not a problem. I'd better say good morning to the two additions to the studio here in the wonderful 3CR. Hope of the future. Hope of Australia. And I will introduce you in just a moment, of course, to the bag man. Mike, I will introduce you in just a moment. Once I'm pointing at him to look in front of him to see that his microphone light is not switched on. And in a moment, I will introduce you to the bag man and I'll introduce you to Irene Bolger. But I'll just say once again, station ID, show ID, human ID. You're listening to Left After Breakfast here on 3CR, your only radio left. I'm Susanna Duffy, and I'll say good morning to the bagman. Good morning, Susan. I've never been described as a hope of the future before. And good morning, Irene. Good morning, Susan. Maybe the hope of the past, but never the future. Not even the present. Well, I'd like you to talk amongst yourself. Look, it's oh, right. yourselves so, so, so. into okay. each other. Oh, oh right. good morning, bagman. Good morning, uh, Irene. I tell you what, I'd love to be the corrections minister. It's not the portfolio I would really aspire to, but if I was a prison minister, I would Mm. build a big concrete hole and put all the bad criminals in there, right? Are you in the hole? You're not coming out. Start learning about it. I might break every United Nations convention on the rights of the prisoner, but get in the hole. Adam Giles from the Northern Territory Parliament, and especially in uh, line with the documentary. He's now the chief minister. Isn't he? Oh, there you go. Well, yes, and he's been involved in uh, with the prime minister of putting together the terms of reference of the <laughs> of the uh, royal commission. Royal commission looking into his government. Now, isn't that wonderful? Ooh, he's you... been part of making a, a putting together the re- terms of reference. Would you be um, <coughs> getting a, a berth uh, at the royal commission, uh, seeing you're a senior consul? Well, don't look at me when you say well, that. No, you mean no, I, exa- I wasn't exactly a senior counsel. Were I you? was a, probably a senior junior. Well, I wasn't even, yes. I, was, I think I was a senior junior by the time I left. A barista. But uh, I would love to be. But you know what, just in terms of that too, that this morning I heard that um, when uh, Giles was asked about whether there'd been consultation with Aboriginal groups, about the Royal Commission terms of reference, uh, there was something about, oh, I think it was Giles, anyway, whoever it was, um, <clears throat> said, oh, well, we consulted with Mick Gooder and uh, what's the name of that Aboriginal? Not Noel Pearson. No, no, in, in Sydney. Um, boxer. Oh, um, well, it doesn't matter. Go they on. consulted yeah. with, uh, that, with that him. That person. 
Yeah. Uh, what's he got to do with anything? Well, I wouldn't. Uh, what about local average? Well, he's a good critics? boxer and he's a good footballer. Mundine. Mundine. Anthony yeah, Mundine. Yeah, consulted with Anthony Mundine. Oh, there you go. Um, and really, what's that got to do with anything? Why not Aboriginal groups in the Northern Territory? No, no, no. Well, they're the people that mainly suffer from the uh, from the brutality that's been yes. um, exhibited by the Northern Territory government. But it's not, it's not, it's not a one-off. No. This has been going on for it's, many, many yeah. years, particularly with uh, Aboriginal um, youth and whatever. But I remember. In 1966, when I was a gov- uh, on a government scholarship, um, paid for by the taxpayer, uh, at a facility run by uh, the Franciscan priests, mm. and Monday night, Monday night was known as Get Even Night. So all the boys would uh, would uh, go into the gymnasium and sit down on the seats and whatever, and then they'd call a couple of them out. And uh, this one night, they called out a bloke called Chris. And he stood in the middle of the um, the basketball court while they tied his hands. Then they called out a boat called Calvin, and Calvin came out. And the priest said to him, uh, "Why are you here for Calvin?" And he said, "Because um, Chris called me a pufter." Well, what are you going to do about it, Calvin? I'm mm. going to punch him, brother. Mm. And he proceeded to punch him very softly at first. But then the priest would turn around to all the boys and say, what do you reckon, boys? And all the boys caught up in the in the hoopla of it would say, not hard enough, brother. So um, Calvin would be uh, encouraged to hit him again and again and again and again uh, while his hands were tied behind his back. So that when blood was flowing freely and possibly bones were broken and teeth were missing... Um, um, the boys used to call out, oh, that's enough, brother, he's, uh, he's, um, he's bleeding enough. Mm. But that was his punishment. Exactly. And that went on day after day after day in a facility run by the Catholic Church and run by the Franciscan Brothers. So it's been going on for a long while, this juvenile torture. Yes. Um, but finally it's been exposed for exactly well, what it world. is. Too. Mm. It was shown on Russian television. It's been shown in Europe. Well, it's, it's Australia's so Abu Ghraib. We've been exposed for what we really are. Yeah, that's Actually, right. Actually, rather than us being the goodies, oh, we're so egalitarian and all this rubbish we've been fed over the years about how wonderful we are. Mm. Uh, no, I don't think so. Sorry. Well, it used to We're be covered like up by the uh, by the Catholic priests anyway, um, and one Catholic priest uh, at this facility has recently come out, and he apologised to a bloke. Well, I know you don't know um, Christopher Dale Flannery, who was called Mister Rentacle, and oh, who was now. A, yeah, but he got bad press. I got bad press. Well, <laughs> I know. He, he, <laughs> I knew press. Chris Flannery. I grew yes. up with him. He's my cousin. Yeah. Yes, well, his brother Eddie Flannery, oh, that's right. called Eddie, he was, we were in the same grade in, in, in primary school. Really? And Chris was the younger brother and Chris used to hang around us a lot when we were out running up and down the street and knocking on people's doorbells and running away and hiding and watching from the hedge and laughing. Oh, right. you know, oh everybody that's did that. that. We did of, that too. That, that yeah. were the outrageous things we Cause, did. Because when I knew him, he graduated too. Yes, into He other, really graduated well, into I crime. Know, it's all alleged to me. No, well, I I know I was yeah, there. Well, he's dead. He's dead. He's yes, dead. He was that, killed well, by Roger you Rogerson. You well, we, him now. we are assuming he's dead. What? Well, he had a um, um, a gas stove uh, chained to his uh, chained to his body in front of Sydney Harbour. Um, unless he can hold his breath for about twenty five years, <laughs> he's well and truly dead. Mm. Um, but anyway, I wanted to say that he went on to a greater crime because he's. Um, his, uh, his starting crime was the. Remember, he used to go to a party and all the ladies would put their coats and their bags up in the front room where not, they'd be safe. Not my generation. <laughs> well, that, that's where Chris made most of his money. <laughs> anyway, we'll get off that one yes. anyway. But can I just. Yeah, in sure. relation to well, yeah. the Royal Commission, too, I am a bit disturbed and, and I can say that uh, from what I've read uh, <coughs> on Facebook, and I have quite a number of <coughs> Aboriginal. Facebook friends plus other friends. You're quoting Facebook, Irene. Yes, but also in the media, in the mainstream media, uh, that Brian Martin, who is going to be head the Royal Commission, there is a lot of agitation by Aboriginal people about him because 
<clears throat> he he did preside over a trial of I can't remember it was three or four white young men who bashed an Aboriginal young man to death in the Northern Territory after they'd been uh, driving around through the Aboriginal camp and causing all sorts of chaos and, and trouble and then they beat this young man to death. Uh, they were initially charged with murder but eventually they pleaded to manslaughter and the highest sentence given out was four years on top. The lowest is 12 months, and uh, and uh, now I'm only going by what's been printed in the press, was that he indicated that they came from very good families. And, yes, uh, nice boys. Uh, <coughs> and uh, I would have thought that quite the opposite should apply there, where if they've come from very good families, you would expect a better amount of sort of behaviour from them. There's no excuse whatsoever. They wouldn't but go anyway, I won't go any people. further than mm. that, but there is some great agitation in the Northern Territory um, from things that are, have been posted uh, mm. about this. Well, we'll keep an eye on that, uh, Irene, and expect mm. a comment from you mm. uh, possibly every week uh, what your friends are feeding you, yes. um, this information about mm. this particular Royal Commissioner. But uh, Royal Commissions uh, aren't called unless they know what the answers are in yeah. the first place. Yes. What yeah. good is ever is a Royal Commission? What, whatever happened to Black Deaths in Custody and uh, uh, the well, recommendations yes. that were made there, <laughs> if, uh, if young Aboriginal men are being treated in this way in the Northern Territory... And they have been speak. in the past, uh, well, I don't know what's still going on in Western Australia. There was that Aboriginal man who died in the back of a divvy van when it was a terribly, terribly hot day and he was kept in it for hours and died. All day. All, All day. day. Yeah, yes. And they drove about 500 miles yes. or something yeah. with him in the back. Yeah. No water. No. And no wonder he died. Um, so anyway, I've got a poem for you. Oh, what? great. Yeah. Just a moment, Is please. it clean? Just a moment, please. What, do you, want to, you want me to run it past Irene first, senior no, counsel? I just want to. I, look, it, I see no mention of a poem in my running sheet, which I have here in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got a running sheet? Of course, I have a running oh, sheet. How do you know what I'm going to say? Because oh, I never, I I never seem to tell rant, you. Rant, you've rant, never rant, had a running sheet in the 35 years that I've been here. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a mental running sheet. A mental, mental running one. sheet. Oh, okay. <laughs> we can't read we your can't mind. Read the, no, no. But I can read my mind. Well, we Look, can sometimes sheet, when you... Oh, oh, yeah. oh, I can't. It's blank. It's blank. Yeah, I can read it sometimes sheet. when yeah. you give us okay. a look. You give us a certain but look. Is this poem all right? Is it clean? No, it's okay. That's no, okay. Well, it's sort of. It's uh, safe for work, is it, Irene? It could be slightly defamatory, but I don't think it's well, going to get sued. From, there's been to, lots of things said you, in the press. You've got to be so. able to hear the broadcast and you've got to be in Australia yeah, in not, order for him to sue. And he's never coming back to Australia, oh, right, I can in tell that you. Case, it, well, well some, no, I, think I get broadcasts from think, Costa Rica yeah. frequently, remember. Yeah, but you don't uh, defame anybody in Costa well, Rica. Well, I might. <laughs> I was in Costa Rica a couple of years ago. I couldn't hear it. Just slip the word alleged in somewhere. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Georgie, Porgie, Puddin' and Pie Graped the boys and made them cry. When the boys began to bawl, George, of course, denied it all. Now, that's, that's all right. That's a lovely set of, it's, set it of pros. So that's it, is it? That's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's it. Based on the nursery rhyme, just a new version yeah, of the nursery It's right. a new version. You can okay. teach your children. When you said George there, I became, look, you became, I have something to tell you. Oh, is this a confession? Well, it looks like one. I'm going to assist a group of people who've started, a group of people, and I'm going to assist them, and they are going to demand that all Georges be deported. Oh, right. that anyone by the name of George not be allowed into this country because of the fact, mainly because of uh, that fervent, bloody supporter of the sugar industry, George Quince Christensen. Oh! Mainly because of him. Oh! But, and, yes. they can, and the only other, they wanted to get a nice George, like someone who was a moderate George, to stand up and say, moderate Georges unite. Yes. And they wanted to say, think of Prince George. But oh, you can't really hold break. up Prince George, an oh. example of bloody privilege, of inbred privilege Hardly. to say. But there must be other moderate Georges out there. Um Apart from George Despard, the BLF poet Lorikeet, there must be more more Georges. I tell you what, I know a George that you could um, you immediately deport. That's George Columbaris from that uh, food. Oh, from food. 
what's the, what's the name of that program? I don't know. It's uh, some... Master Chef or something. Oh, yes. There you go. George. George. Deport him. Yeah, George gets yeah, deport paid. Deport him. He's a George. George gets paid $1.3 million Ooh. a season and is against paying penalty rates for the workers that he employs. He wants to abolish penalty rates, yet he picks up $1.3 million every season uh, of this uh, Master Chef. There you go. I don't know that he may have um, softened his approach a little. I did read in the age the other day that he'd backed off a little bit about the penalty rates business, but I don't know how true that is. So perhaps, you know, it would be an idea for sort of moderate Georges to get together. Yes, and... Yes. And speak up and say, look, just because a couple of Georges have done dreadful things, yeah. mm. it doesn't mean that all Georges are the same. So is this no. a, a really a website or a well, something, or do you just make it up? No, I think, <laughs> I think it you made it up. Be a website. I think is it on your running sheet? It, eh? Yes, it's on my running <laughs> sheet. You know, that's sort of... Look, think about George R. 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 Martin. I mean, he's never done anything wrong, has he? Never heard of him. Songs of Ice and Fire. Game of Thrones. Oh, good. Oh, I've never, never seen either. I don't know anything about that. But then, see, people don't... I don't want him coming into this country either. He's too scary and too creepy mm. for my grandchildren, mm. my granddaughters. Oh, so, okay. So if the moderate Georges can't get together and put themselves forward, then I'll just have to go ahead with this group that wants to deport every living George there is in Australia today. And you've probably got an old uncle out there uncle or even George. a dog called George. Yeah. They're all in trouble. Change the name, get them to change the name quickly. Look, during just before the First World War, an uncle, a great uncle of mine by marriage. George? No, mm. not a George. Not a George. He wasn't even a Wayne, and all murderers or have got Wayne, Wayne in their oh, names. Yes. Now, that, this uncle of mine changed his name, um, you know, from Steinhausen to Stonehouse because oh, of that right. thing about Germans, the anti Germans feeling in Australia just before the First World War and during it. So it's easy enough to change your name. If you're called George, change it. Call yourself something else. Well, my great-uncle uh, Herbert von Dittmer, he fought in the world <laughs> First Dittmer. World War under his name of von Dittmer. Oh, well, he was game and he's my buried Uncle in Vic. A... He fought on... Which side did he fight on? For Australia. Oh, right, and he's okay. buried over in France, <laughs> I think, in the... What's it called? One of those... Burial sites that they mm. talk about. Mm. Yes, Herbert von Dittmer. All of von Dittmer's kept their names in Galway in South Australia, and my uncles fought in the Second World War under von Dittmer name. Well, that's all right. That's all right. You, you don't have any relation to the the, the, the Vanderbilts, do you? <laughs> I wish. I, no, I, I would have found out oh, by sorry, now. They aren't German. <laughs> No, I don't think so. They're Dutch, aren't they? Yes. Are they Dutch? Yeah, they're yes. Dutch. No. And they're from Boots. But I've, I've always wondered from. if I should try and find out if there's a von Dittmer castle or something mm. in yes. Germany somewhere. I, before yes. I die, I maybe yes. should go and try and find out. You see Tony Robinson, uh, he does the walks through yes, Melbourne. and he done one through South Australia last uh, couple of weeks ago and it was basically on my partner's family, um, the Herbigs. Uh, they lived in a tree. Yeah. In the hollowed out part of a tree oh, with we, eight children. Oh, oh. I remember That's this. That's true. They, the, what, they lived in Who it. did? The, the, the whole family came out from Germany, yeah. the Herbigs, and when they were getting established, uh, the father and the, the, the wife, the husband and the wife, lived in a tree. Yeah, fair In enough. the hollowed out yeah. part of a tree, big tree. Yeah, it'd be nice and comfortable. Yeah, big dry. tree, and they yeah, had plenty of firewood and whatever, yeah. and they had eight children while living in that tree, and it was part of Tony Robinson's uh, walks through South Australia. Does your it's partner amazing. know of this? That yeah, you're she speaking it. about it on air? Yeah, and my partner, Ann Taylor, from oh, the Education Union. Number eight. Eight like, children. I, what do you two think? I, I, I thought he was saying, and, and they. You ate. think they ate their oh, children? Eight children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I must That's learn to speak a bit more thing. clearly. I understood what you were saying. Yeah, but you're closer to him than I am. And I was too oh, okay. busy watching these wobbly metre levels <laughs> while he was talking and I was thinking about the moderate Georges and why they aren't on the phone. Well, I, I'd be but happy. I'll let, but I'll keep you up to date on the okay, website. Okay. I, I, yeah, I'd love to know. I'd be happy just for George Christensen mm-hmm. to go. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that would take a great weight off Australia. I had a mate call. We aren't allowed to say that. I didn't 
I, it would take a great weight off Australia's back. I had a great mate called George Papadopoulos, and mm-hmm. he changed his name to Con Papadopoulos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway. George, uh, yeah, it's like a friend of mine called George Katakatsinudis. Yeah. He changed his name. Yeah, to what? To Con. To con. <laughs> he doesn't want to be a George. That's right. Because we know that Georges are bad. You know? What about Bruce's and Bruce's don't Graham's? Do, they don't do bad things. Don't they? No, but every George, but Georges do. One George doing a bad thing is enough. To have all let's the Georges. Fo- yeah, let's just follow the logic out of the country. that's in Australia today. Hmm. A couple of Georges go mad. Sounds like sounds like the logic that uh, someone like Pauline Hanson would use. Mm, that's what she uses. Oh, really? That's exactly her logic. Fear and hatred yes. on the streets. No, yes. that woman lives on hatred. Not up in the, not up and in Coburg in the multicultural if city that I live in. Her in a bloody tree and seal it up. I mm. don't. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry, Irene. Yeah. I take that back. I was not inciting any violence. Yeah. Inciting people to commit violence on Pauline Hanson or indeed any politician or indeed anyone in yeah. Australia apart from Jeff Kennett. If, if you're listening to this broadcast, then it means I've been murdered. Remember that she came out and made that tape? <laughs> oh, she was wrapped in the Australian If you're watching flag. this video, it like, means you know, that I have been murdered. Yes. I really want, I still really, I really want to do one of myself that like is that. the best Because what I want to do, I thought I'll wrap myself, because I've got a nice big Eureka flag, and then I'll wrap myself in this Eureka flag and say, if you are watching this. And then I thought, no, I can't wrap myself in this Eureka flag. It's been used. In the wrong way. In the wrong way. Yes. And when yes. you're someone like me, listeners, somewhat short-sighted, mind you, this happened about 10 years ago. I was probably just as short-sighted then. Tripping along the station um, at Flinders Street, getting off a train, and there's standing at the gate with two fine, upstanding, strapping blokes with the Eureka <laughs> things on them. And I thought, oh, well, look at these blokes. So I walked up past them, I had to go out past them and said, oh, good day, how's it going, comrade? And they looked at me like I was... Stupid. They, they might big, have been those. And then I realised they, they were bloody Nazis. white. Nazis. They were, yes, they were. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. I didn't know that they wore the Eureka flag. And I didn't want to say, get that flag off your back, Well, they've, they've stolen that flag yes. uh, from the Eureka movement yeah. and also from uh, the BLF and the CFNU yes. and whatever. So that sometimes when I wear my T-shirt with the Southern Cross on it, mm-hmm. I feel a bit guilty that yes. people might look at me and think, think I'm one of those ne- neo-Nazis. Yes. Yes. White supremacists. Mm. Mm, well, yes. I'm a direct de- 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 descendant of Eureka. But your mother came from Turkey. Yes, but my father's grandmother. The is from Turkey. <laughs> my father's grandmother is the Eureka person. Oh, and really? both her parents were famous and still famous in Ballarat. Though oh. I haven't got the pub. You I would have liked the pub before instead of the Hang around Ballarat. Yeah. Oh, I do. Some, oh, I do. Yeah. I swan yeah, she does. Walk up and down. I do. I do <laughs> swan around up there. And looking at things. So, yes, well, this was my great-grandmother's father's, you know. I, of course I do. I was actually reading an article the and other... I get, and I go, yeah. sorry, I go, and they're in the cemetery. And oh, I right. Go to the Are they dead? Oh, okay. Yeah, they're dead. Well, I hope they, so. They buried them. back in the 1850s. Oh. Yeah, so they are dead. Oh. No, but the men... I was reading an article the other week that said that Peter Law may have been a strike breaker. Can you believe that? <gasps> I must oh, ask Glenn. could. Yeah, I, I must could. ask Glenn. Well, he was a... Out to me, well, he had his eye on making a quick dollar, didn't he? That's right. He ended up armless. And, but, and uh, basically it was about not paying of certain taxes. Taxes, So yes. it wasn't That's exactly right. a sort of but it workers... Was, no, well, it was a workers' the, revolt in a certain way. It was a Well, the way that it's come down to me in my family from mm. my great-grandmother, whom I knew quite well. You know, I was 12 when she died. She was, you know, she told me many, her memory was incredible about her childhood. And what her, and her times being taken up and wandering around, and the story of Eureka, and the story was quite different from her side, from the way that she'd been taught it, was that it was basically those English red coats, the soldiers mm. that were the problem with most of the diggers, because the majority of the diggers were Irish, and some of them were. At, their fathers had been in a bloody rebellion against the English mm. and been massacred and things, and they were mm. out here and they were very angry, men looking for gold, mainly Irish, and there's these bloody English redcoats wandering around yeah, the place go. telling them what to do, that that had a lot to do with it. And I can understand that because, you know... 
I think the problem with some of our history is it's romanticised to the point where it's yeah. like the First World War oh. that, uh, since John, John Howard, uh, since John Howard brought in it. all this uh, stuff that goes on and I'm not denigrating the First World War. I had relatives fight in it and I know it was incredible because the massacre of so many... Yes particularly, well, Appalling. Australians absolutely. being sent over the top and uh, to be, who yeah. were absolutely going to be killed. I mean, there was no way they weren't right. uh, because of the, the English. The British were stupid. The British. Uh, yeah, because of the bloody English. Yeah, yeah. yeah because I'm, the... I apologise to everyone in, um, Turks in, in, were dug in, in England right at this very moment listening in England. Yeah, but the Turks were dug in and, and uh, of course, they were going to be killed. They were waiting needed. for them. They were waiting for you it's true. And they were running across a, an open space. Yes. I mean, machine gun like being fired at them. when yeah. they was, yeah. besieged Troy. It's oh. exactly that same spot. And all those English generals were brought up on the classics. Was your mate there? Homer. Was your mate there, the one with the one eye, the, the no, eye in the middle of his forehead? There. No, he wasn't, wasn't, he wasn't no. in Troy. He was everywhere else. Was <laughs> no. Please go on. Look, that, was, that was an interesting diversion. <laughs> That's right. How about some industrial news? Because there's yes. uh, there's about 640 workers at Polar Fresh Warehouse uh, out yes. in Truganina yes. um, who have set up a picket line for better wages and better conditions. And, of course, um, Fair Work Australia and the Supreme Court have said that their, um, their stop. stoppage is, is illegal. Yes. Whenever the workers go to the go to the boss's court and be told that, oh yeah, of course you can continue. Of course, it's always illegal. But good luck to those people out there, and good luck to yes. the blokes down at uh, the CUB down in Abbotsford, just yes. around the corner from you, um, um, Irene. Um, apparently, um, they they're being offered contracts with a company called Program Maintenance at 65% less yes. than what their pay was. And fortunately, uh, um, uh, at the uh, general meeting of um, um, Program Maintenance the other day, all these workers uh, invaded the general meeting of uh, Program Maintenance and um, disrupted it and told their story of why they wouldn't be, why they shouldn't have to live on um, with 65% of their wages being cut. Um, disgraceful that well, is, that's happening. Outrageous. This is 2016. Yeah. Well, you see, this is the problem with contracting workers out because the management of CUB don't have to take responsibility because they have a contractor who does the dirty work. That's mm. why it was always a problem when contractors first started to get a toehold in building industry and... And you have I can to remember when all those contractors yeah. started to come in and it's been a huge problem because management can offload the responsibility mm. onto contractors so much harder then for workers to actually deal with it. And they have to take out an ABN number, Australian business number, yes. and pay their own superannuation, yes. their own workers' compensation and whatever. And while talking about that, food delivery services, Deliveroo and Fedora are facing a landmark court case alleging their couriers are grossly underpaid and illegally hired as contractors instead of employers, um, employees. And you might yes. see these guys around town. They're on push bikes, on push bikes, mind you, with this dirty big um, container on their back carrying um, hot food uh, and then being paid $10 and in some cases $14 an hour. They're Better paid employees, the fourteen dollar one. Yes, um, carrying food around. Carrying food around. What in a big tin well, for lunch? Uh, it's like a big, uh, like a big um, esky on your mm. back and cycle, cycle your log. You'll see them. I've seen them in Smith Street. It's like India where they carry those. Yeah, little, it's, they're taking their lunch, milk. Those people's things. lunches. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, the same that's thing. That's right. Yeah, same sort of thing. Anyway, uh, Morris Blackburn said preparations are underway for a test case claiming the two burgeoning disruptor companies value that hundreds of millions of dollars are exporting their food delivery drivers and cyclists, some of whom earn less than $10 an hour. Now, out of that $10 an hour, they're contractors. They have to look after their own uh, sick pay. Yeah, everything. They have to look after, pay, pay their own tax, yeah. pay their own superannuation. And these companies have got hundreds of millions of dollars. How do they get in the country in the first place? How do they set up a business? Because, um, uh, uh, because of jobs and growth. Oh, right. Jobs and growth. That's a good one. How do they start up a cynical. business? There must be some test. You're both cynical. 
And no, bitter no, and we're twisted. Realistic. That's yeah, what we are. Because we've been lied to. Now, yeah. there's a thing about this, like we've, we've said for a long time back, man, you mainly would go right into this about the immigration department. Oh, yes. And I would say, look, mm. I reckon that there's a, some crooks in there. There is. In the immigration department. There are. And there's money changing well, hands. Well, they called... And um, it turned out that it that was. There were was. criminal mm. acts done. Well, there's something of the same thing going on here with these businesses that come to Australia and set mm. up. There's someone in the business office or whatever it's called, whatever it's called, mm. and there's some money changing hands, and that's why you've got businesses... But you never hear about them until they're no. investigated mm. uh, by people such as Fair Work Australia and whatever. Mm. Uh, then we hear about it. And then the furor comes, like Seven uh, Eleven and whatever. Mm. Um, so, but do we know whether that's rectified? I mean, is Seven Eleven being rectified? Have people not yet. Been paid not as far as I know. This um, is the thing. And what are they paying their current workers? Well, who well, knows? Who knows? Yes. Does anybody They're, go back and check? They made uh, death threats. Uh, no, I, I, no, they were just shamed. I think. Yeah. Yes. They were shamed. Yes. No, certainly. Don't forget, Malcolm Turnbull lines a nice whack of Seven yeah, Eleven. Yeah. Some of the franchisees were actually threatening to kill. Uh, the employers that made a claim uh, for underpayment of wages, so uh, people can can be intimidated. But anyway, look out for this uh, these companies, Deliveroo and Foodora. Mm. Um, and you'll see the young bikes cycling down Smith Street with a um, esky on their back, um, delivering hot food. Oh, apparently, how terrifying! <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Man, of course, I, and I wouldn't be able to stop them if it even been two years ago. And I'd seen it. I would have said, "Hey, stop! What are you doing? Yeah. Who, who, you know, who are you working yeah, for? Yeah. What's their address?" And 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 I'd be on the blower. But that doesn't work anymore, does it? No, I spent many years of my life pulling pulling up bicyclists, saying, "Hey, um, you know, <laughs> what are you doing during that? <laughs> you, You're working here, are you? Who's yeah. your boss? What are you getting paid?" And 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 I'd be on the blower. In the old days, you used to jump on the bike. As yes. it was cycling along. But yeah, I know, but still. The simple thing is, Irene and uh, Susan, is that um, the fast food and restaurant industry is oh, uh, right. uh, is flush with criminals yes. and criminal actions, yes. and they are supported by um, employer groups that know that in most cases people aren't paid penalty rates yes, yes. for Saturdays, Sundays, after hours, or even their ordinary hours. So there are criminal elements within the fast food and restaurant industry uh, that ought to be um, ought to be um, held accountable uh, for the robbing of uh, workers' wages in this way. Well, yeah. it's so rife. You can't tell me the governments don't know what's happening in India. Of course they do. Course they do. Listen, we, or, we have yeah, to, all the we, unions, we're gonna, actually. We're going to have to be... Um, <coughs> Moving soon, but I just want to remind listeners quickly, popping into Queen Victoria Market tomorrow morning, and you should, don't forget to look out for um, the Refugee Action Collective stall that's always in that oh. Terry Street there, just oh. across the road from okay. McDonald's. I'm going down to take some photographs tomorrow because the I believe that the Queen Victoria Market well, won't be there much no, longer. Oh, well, well Council's trying before, to destroy anyway, it. Yeah, let's, let's, go out, let's go out the same old way. Why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you, you lose. lose. Good morning from Left After Breakfast. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.